Support for this podcast comes from Clevery, the leading soft skills platform for matching and recruiting. Backed by 30 years of scientific research and assessment development, Clevery helps you to predict job performance and hire the right talent to build a winning team. Grow faster by focusing on what matters most, soft skills. Visit www.clevery.com and clevery spelled C-L-E-V-R-Y to discover how companies like British Gas, Asda and Marks and Spencer hire better with Clevery and schedule your demo today. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 451 of the Recruiting Future podcast. All too often, diversity and inclusion strategies are just about moving existing talent between organisations rather than growing talent pools and giving more opportunities to more people. So how should employers be thinking about diversity hiring and what kind of organisations should they be partnering with to increase the spread of opportunity? My guest this week is Link Kroger, president of Night Moves. Night Moves is a limiting profit company helping to create the next generation of technology professionals by offering training with an intentional focus on Native American, rural and urban underserved communities. Hi, Link, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Good morning. Thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah. So my name's Link Kroger. Um, you know, fifty-four years old, and uh, when I grew up, it was back in the old Atari and Commodore days, and I knew my uh, career was going to be technology centric. And I've spent the last thirty-five years uh, building on that in enterprise technology working in Fortune 500, Fortune 50, consulting, Seattle-based software company, Department of Defense. So over 35 years, I've had a pretty good um, run in the enterprise technology space and um, learned a great deal, uh, have a passion for diversity and inclusion, and have taken everything I've learned over those 35 years and said, okay, what are businesses and government and education not doing that if we did do would change our outcomes in both uh, relevance of the amount of talent we need in the computer science space and advancing um, our underserved populations that we're not seeing happening today and communities, I should say, not just populations. Fascinating stuff. And I, I really want to dig into the work that you do because it's so interesting and, and so valuable. So perhaps the, the best way to start is tell us about your organization and what it does. Yeah, so we're night moves, and it's night like the chess piece, not like the Bob Seger song. <laughs> and um, um, what we do, um, there, there's four pillars of our organization. The first is uh, we have a computer science program that uh, trains up individuals, and um, our graduates rival a four-year computer science degree graduate. And when I say rival, um, so employers hiring our graduates will tell you hiring our graduate will save them twenty-five dollars to $35,000 over hiring a public four-year degree computer science graduate. Uh, the second thing we do is we're exclusively focused on um, Native American, rural, and urban underserved communities. 
The third thing we do is we think of the Silicon Valley, but for social benefiting causes. So whether it's hunger or human trafficking, you name the cause, uh, green energy, right? The environment, equity, we create solutions for those spaces. So think of instead of pouring money into solutions like for Uber and Airbnb, which are great, but they're, you know, for the private industry and to, to generate high volumes of wealth that the technology we create is to advance society and enrich other people's life. And the fourth thing we do is we create technology for companies as business services. And that's the way we fund our philanthropic mission. So we're a limiting profit company where our goal isn't to make hordes of money. Our goal is to fund our philanthropic purpose through doing legitimate uh, business services with companies. So it's kind of an easy pitch to companies is you're going to buy your services from someone. Why not create the tech talent you need in the industry and you know, actually make a difference in diversity and inclusion because most company diversity and pro, uh, inclusion programs are really focused on moving the existing talent between companies and percentage-wise not making a lot of meaningful impact on um, getting new minority and new um, inclusion into, into the talent pool. Talk us through your story a bit. How did you go from working for Fortune 500 tech sector companies to creating this organization? Yeah, so my last company I was at, uh, Pillar Technology, I was the COO and we did business consulting services. So think of a company needing a new mobile app or some enterprise kind of platform software product. And um, our primary competitor, we were a roughly $50 million company a year in revenue, but very elite in um, you know, the premium services, team-based services for software products that, that, that we built. And you know, our primary competitor was was offshore, right? People going for cheap labor, usually in India, but other places in, in the in the world. And um, so, with that focus, I was like, and you know, and I grew up in a little town of six thousand people. I said, you know, someday we're going to be able to do these these services out of rural communities. And you know, the first the first Lego to fall, if you will, or domino to fall, was the uh, you know having to get enterprise class fiber to these rural communities, at least to Main Street. So I, I followed all these organizations. They were trying this, and frankly, you know, these rural technology hubs see a 85 to 95 percent failure rate. So I go interview them and say, "Hey, why didn't this work?" And um, I did that for about five years, and then I had the opportunity in the company I worked at to um, to actually go try it and experiment, and um, and it was you know um, a great success. And then we got bought by a major Fortune 50 company, and at that point, I was like, "Okay, it's time to spin this off." as a purely social benefiting mission and in, include the three demographics of, uh, of people groups, right? Rural, Native American, and urban underserved that, that we really want to make a difference with this program. You know, why, why are we shipping all these jobs in mass, mass hordes, right, offshore? And while we're not even having a focus on our, our people that need the help the most in this country, and we're still roughly you know, a million to a million and a half short of computer science talent in the industry. We're, we're just not getting it done either with the amount of talent we need or in inclusion of uh, these more underserved and left behind populations. And tell us a little bit more about the communities that you that you work with. Yeah. So like in Iowa, it, it's, uh, you know, if you think of urban underserved, it's, uh, you know, inner city, minority, um, mostly low income immigrants, um, and we'll work with other 
like nonprofit organizations that are already focused on those relationships. And we give them, uh, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more the detail of what we actually do in, in our training program. So it would be, you know, I mean, and ideally we're going to be expanding outside of Iowa this year to really from Minneapolis to Chicago with, you know, Oklahoma city really want to go to any city. I mean, every big city has, you know, underserved populations. And, um, but we have a really special emphasis with, uh, Native Americans. So something that people don't really realize is that, you know, I mean, every, you know, people recognize generally the situation Native Americans are in, but think of these are people that have been put out in remote areas of the country that, are, that aren't near commerce centers. And uh, I'll have tribal leaders share with me to go, Link, you need to understand why we discourage our, you know, high school graduates from going to college is if they leave and go to college, they don't come back. And um, then our whole people group will die, right? Our language, our spirituality, our, you know, our past, our future. So with our program, you know, we bring the education to the community and then we literally bring the job to the community. It's not just training them and going, good luck. It's we line up employers who um, actually they line up for us because our talent is so much better prepared than the industries that, um, and, and there's a great desire for companies to do something in diversity and inclusion and do something with Native Americans, um, they just really, you know, don't know how to do something more, and and that's the gaps that we fill. And then we'll also focus on, you know, just a rural community that might be four thousand, fifteen thousand people. That um, you know, when when they when the young people graduate high school, they leave and they don't come back. So how do we, you know, how do we turn, how do we turn and pivot here so these communities that. Um, you know, or, or, you know, like West, I've been meeting this afternoon with the West Virginia community, right? Coal town where, you know, they know that eventually that that's going to dry up and their economy is based on coal. How do we transform those communities to leverage all those generations of, of knowledge in that industry and apply them with uh, new skills and technology? Absolutely. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. And it, it sounds like some amazing work that you're doing. Talk us through the mechanics of the training program. You know, what do you offer? Why is it so good? And, and how do you decide who gets to, to come on the program? Yeah. So, you know, first is kind of the, the jelly and the donut of, of, of what we go after is if you're going to solve the talent problem and you're going to solve diversity and inclusion, you have to start younger, right? And that doesn't mean we don't focus on mid-career adult learners, but, you know, we're out there. So like in Iowa, the average age of someone uh, starting a code camp is 36 years old. In our program, it's 16 years old. So we will go out, we'll work uh, in part of our community. And if you go to our white website, nightmoves.org, and again, it's night with a K, like a chess piece, you'll see what our requirements are for a good community that matches up. And one of them is we can actually talk to to the, to the students starting typically their, their sophomore year in high school. And what we are exceptionally good at is going in and sharing the opportunity of what a career in technology would be for them and getting them inspired to take a software development class, a computer science course, right? And that's actually extremely hard for most organizations to do. And we're extremely good at it. So if we go in and talk to 100 students we're going to literally get 30 to 40% of those students to go, wow, I had no idea a career in technology would be interesting um, to me. I, I just had no idea. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I'll sign up for that course next semester. In the Native American community, now we've only had one um, tribe we've worked with, but they had 58% 
of their population in eighth through 11th grade say, if I had this opportunity, I would, I would take that computer science course with 48% of them being women, you know, younger, younger women, right. In high school. So tremendous uh, response because of the way we present it. And our whole goal is just to get them to sign up initially for one software development course to see if they like it. And if they don't, then they understand, hey, geez, I, I had a software development course, no matter if I'm a doctor or an architect or whatever I do, I'll have had that and I'll know how it works, right? So we're not asking them to make a career decision. Just sign up for a course, see if you like it. And if you do, here's the next six courses you take. And we have a program that's seven prerequisite computer science courses that they take. And once they complete those, they can apply for our core training program. And um, it really gets young people excited because they're like, well, you're just asking me to take one course, right? There's so much work with young people to try to get them to make whole decisions on their career path. And that that's kind of scary when you're you know, 15, 16 years old, have to make, I'm going to be a plumber or I'm going to be this, right? Well, just experiment, see if you like it. And and they really respond to that. And then the way we do our whole training program is very unique for us. After they get through the prerequisites, our program, there's no, there's no classroom-based, there's no testing, it's not grade-based. You only graduate our core training program. You demonstrate you can do the job. So Matt, you join our team, you've completed these seven prerequisite courses, and now you're part of a team building real world software, right? And using, so whether it's Google or Microsoft or, you know, a, a John Deere or, you know, Hy-Vee, you name the company, if we're building technology the way that modern companies build it. So when you graduate our program, you literally can walk day one into one of these companies and be productive writing software, which hiring a four-year computer science graduate you know, it takes some some work to get someone to just come off of the, you know, the assembly line of the, the, the four-year college computer science system and actually get them to be productive, right? So that's where we'll actually save them that money. That was kind of a long answer. Sorry about going into that much detail, but there's so many moving pieces in this. Get it concise is not an easy thing to do. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www.wonolo.com pod and take the stress out of finding workers. No, I mean, it was fascinating and so useful to have that level of detail. And I was going to ask you about the employers that you that you work with, that you partner with. What's their kind of reaction? How successful is this? And, and really what's been in it for them in terms of the value that they get? You know, for employers, they're, they're getting top technology talent, right? And I'll say entry level because it's competing with four-year degree graduates, right? We don't really compete with code camps because if you look at most code camps they're four to six months in duration you know they're good for what they are but you know our program is it's going to take you 
two years minimum, three years to get through it, right? So, um, and, and it's pure computer science related. It's, you know, there's not a whole other set of, you know, you're not taking history and English and these things. Those things are valuable, but they're going to get that in high school, but they're going to get, you know, all of our all of our core computer science aspects through our program. So, you know, they're getting top talent and we're actually, you know, really good at getting um, minority and diverse and immigrant populations into the program. And that's our focus. So it's an opportunity for companies to both get the tech talent they need and to get the diversity that they need, that they're seeking that, you know, and, and today companies really, if you look at entry level talent for the vast majority of it, they just count on the college system to do that. Right. So, if the college system isn't producing enough talent in a certain area for entry level talent, and they're not producing enough, um, and they're not, you know, recruiting enough minority talent, then companies don't have that pipeline unless they do a very expensive approach like apprenticeships, which I'm a big fan of apprenticeships. But the challenge with it is they're very expensive. There's a lot of risk to the companies, but they're the next best thing out there, I think, to you know, because if, if you didn't know this, minority populations and rural populations equally have a much lower, uh, significantly lower attendance to four-year college programs. And, you know, and I'm sure you've had a lot of speakers talk about shifting from four-year degree requirements to skills-based requirements, right? And that's that's really what we're mastering. We're just saying, you know, the difference with our program is our skills are going to actually, you're going to save money hiring our graduates over a four-year computer science graduate. If we can't produce a better prepared individual for your workforce, then pivot another direction because this isn't this isn't just something you do as a social benefiting mission, right? As a company to hire our graduates. It's you're going to get the top talent. So that's very attractive because we're looking at this from why is this valuable to them, not just society. And I suppose to dig into that a little bit deeper because so many employers pay lip service all the time to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's kind of like the number one talking point, but not the number one doing point. And, you know, I still find many organizations just not taking the steps they need to move, to shift their mindset, to embrace new ways of thinking about talent. And what advice would you give to the talent acquisition professionals who are listening, who are dealing with some sort of fixed mindsets around things like college degrees or location within their organization? Well, you know, I'm going to make a little statement that, that might twerk some people in the HR space too, right? But you're seeing you're seeing this shift where DEI is moving out of HR. And I, I feel like that's accelerating from the companies I work with, right? And part of that is DEI is not getting solved. So people are trying a different approach, right? Having the D, you know, the, the chief officer or the person leading DEI actually report up through the CEO or something like that, right? So one is, you know, diversity inclusion is, it's it can't be about marketing. It can't be short term, right? If you're not working with programs like Night Moves, right? You know, our, our approach is three to four years. And if you're, if your approach on getting your talent your, your entry-level talent, right? That when I say entry-level, again, the four-year degree equivalent, and you're not looking at programs of support three to four years out, you're probably not going to impact it, right? You've, we've, and, and that's hard for companies to do, right? Companies are so quarter-driven and annual-driven that to say, geez, I've got to work with programs or I'm not going to see the talent for two, three, or four years. But that's, that's what we have to do if we're not getting... And, and that's not what companies are strong at, right? Companies aren't strong at at going out and, and inspiring 15, 16-year-old, especially minorities, to get 
into it, right? And but if you look at what we're doing, we're keeping kids out of gangs, right? We're giving them a future. And by the time individuals graduate our program, they have no debt. So imagine that starting your career and really launching it without any any debt assembled to it. So um, I, I would my advice would be have an outcome of true diversity inclusion of how do you really fill your talent and partner with organizations that are that are um, you know having a longer term transformative impact versus who can get me what I need this year. And again, that's hard because companies, you know, they're not real good at saying what's my forecast at two, three, four, five years out for talent. Right? It's it's shorter term because so much can change in the industry. So you know, I understand that. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that a lot of the work that you do is based around really empowering people to be able to stay in their communities, to not have to to leave and, and not come back to look for opportunity. I'm presuming that remote work is a big part of this. Is that something that the pandemic has has really helped you with? Starting this, really kicking it off about five years ago, that was the biggest challenge of this initiative. And I really didn't know how I was going to solve that because Initially, my company that I worked for, when we opened up our pilot location, we said, we're going to hire 30 people. So we'll take care of that, right? Because that's what we do. And, uh, you know, and being from an innovation background, it was, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with a lean startup and, you know, how Silicon Valley companies work and, you know, lean companies, it's, it's called pivot, persevere, kill, meaning you start something, you don't really know how you're going to do it. So if it's working, you persevere, right? If it's not working, you, you either kill it or you pivot. So going into this, Really didn't know how we we're going to get that remote work, which is now work from anywhere, right? Kind of branded. COVID solved that problem, right? Because now I would still say roughly 75% of companies that I work with have no problem having a portion of their of their workforce remote, especially when they get to support Native American inclusion and these underserved communities, right? It's And they're getting the talent they need. And frankly, the tech workforce is the one that's pushing back harder than anybody, right? I mean, there's just such a shortage that if companies are flipping to a return to office, even a couple of days a week, they're seeing instant resignations. And um, because of COVID, and I would say the other reason, because there's such a massive shortage of, of talent in qualified talent in the tech space, it's given companies to really not a choice that they can do work from anywhere anyway. And frankly, the last year, two years, I mean, anybody who doesn't support work from anywhere in the, in the computer science space, I mean, it's really just discriminatory, right? I mean, we just proved this works exceptionally well. Uh, in fact, most consulting companies I work with, they plan to just continue doing this forever. It's like, why would we spend all this money traveling? And so anyway, that was a long answer there too. <laughs> that's that's absolutely fine. So final question, how can people find you? How can they connect with you? How can they find out more about your organization? Yeah. So if they go to tonightmoves.org, there's a contact us. Uh, you can find out a lot more of information about about our organization and our mission. And we'd love to hear from communities. If you look at your match and you think, hey, we think we'd be good. Um, we're always looking at uh, education partners, like, you know, in, in the communities, our primary partner is the community college system because we look for communities that they can provide those seven core courses that are prerequisites. And in most states, it's, it's free for high school students to, um, to take dual enrollment courses while you're in high school. So it's, it's a good match, but that's actually our biggest challenge right now is COVID opened the door for us to do work from anywhere and make that a norm. But the challenge is, right, all these recruiters have gone after all these community college instructors who teach computer science. And it's extraordinarily difficult to um, 
to find community college. They may have the curriculum, but they don't have the instructors. So that's where we'll actually work to potentially provide an adjunct instructor for them in the community. And if we have the business support, then we don't actually even charge the community for that. So, um, yep, go to nightmoves.org, click contact us. And especially if you know companies like larger companies that need software development services and you know any company greater than 300 million a year in revenue is buying these services, why not buy them and make the world a better place at the same time? So any connections you make there is, is, is fantastic too. Thank, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, Matt. It was just a pleasure being on. Thank you so much. My thanks to Link. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. Uh, uh, uh.